My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Remember when a teacher in your school had a kid that attended the school and you always got the sense that that kid didn't get in trouble because they were the son of a teacher? Well, this week, Hunter Biden got indicted on gun charges. These charges have nothing to do with McCarthy's attempt to impeach Joe Biden. But Marion, doesn't it prove that the Justice Department is not giving him any special treatment and that the son of the head teacher is no different to the rest of us? You know, yes. Um, Yes, it does. But it also, look, Hunter Biden is, and you know, your definition of a gobshite, which I remember in, in your show last year that I went to, is it just nailed it. Hunter Biden is a gobshite. There's no two ways about it. Now, I know he's had a very, you know, in some ways, a difficult life. I, I know that. But look, the guy. All gobshites claim that. All exactly. And, you know, he, like, he's been, like, he's just, he's exhibit A of entitlement. He, there should be a rogues gallery with him and Jared Kushner and the three Trump kids. And they all think they don't know they're born. You know, they don't know they're mm. born and they think everything is their right because they happen to be the son or daughter of a wealthy or powerful or politically well-connected person. And, you know, Hunter Biden, who honestly, yeah, no, gobshite really is the only word. I mean, I read his book and I just went, oh, Christ, you know, like, really? Um, and Disconnected it's, it, from reality. There's a well. There's a lot of mea culpa, and oh, you know, I took so many drugs, and I took so many drugs. But you know, it, there's also this. He doesn't realize how damn privileged he is, and there is that sense of victimhood. And yes, you know, he lost his mother when he was only two he, in a horrific sure. car crash. Yeah. He sustained a brain injury as well. So did his brother Bo, who went on, mm. who was in the same car crash and and broke more bones. But although, to be fair, Hunter Biden did sustain a head injury and. You know, at that age, it's 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 the whole thing was awful. But you know, yeah. Bo Biden went on, went into the military, became the Attorney General for Delaware, like had an exemplary life. And you know, Hunter was always, you know, the drugs, getting the bailouts, doing this scam, doing that scam. Oh yeah, I'll set up a lobbying firm in in DC, like he would have done that if his father hadn't been in DC for thirty five years. You know, I mean, mm. you know, it's just one thing after another, and then. You know, this thing with the gun, okay, you know the way sometimes it's a bit like Al Capone, you know, getting done on tax charges. This is unjust. This is unjust because in America, nobody 
gets charged for this specific offence. Now, what he's being charged with, he's facing three charges um, related to this, this gun business. What happened was, and again, it's so insane, he was apparently like just, he was still seeing his brother Bo died um, of brain cancer and it devastated the entire family. And he, by all accounts, went on a drink and drug bender. He started having a relationship with Bo's widow. He was still married at the time or maybe getting separated or whatever. It was all an incredible mess. Anyway, he and his wife separated and divorced and he was going out with um, uh, his brother's widow for, uh, I think, about 18 months or thereabouts. At that time, he was also going after, you know, there he was seeing various other women and he was hanging out in strip clubs and, you know, whatever else, all his own business, fine. But he was taking an enormous amount of drugs by his own admission. And um, he bought a gun um, in a paranoid state and there were real concerns that he was going to commit suicide. Now, when it, um, his uh, his widow's, his brother's widow found the gun, she threw it in a trash can. He, Ten days after he bought it, she found it. She threw it in a local trash can on a street. It's like... Mm. Jesus, what the hell? You know, what? and now obviously she was panicked and distressed as well. And she thought he was going to kill himself. And that was why he bought the gun. And I suppose her first reflex was just to get it out of the house, get it out of the house. And mm. uh, but anyway, so this gun is now the, the gun in, in the context of this. Uh, he bought the gun when he was very heavily abusing drugs now when you buy a gun you fill out a, there you know it's a box ticking form and it's like have you been taking drugs are you addicted to drugs are you under the influence of drugs whatever and you people just write no because obviously if you wrote yes you're not going to get a gun you know so yeah uh, there are 420 million guns in private hands in america i am willing to guarantee you that uh, quite a substantial portion of them were bought by people who had used drugs in the past or who were currently using drugs when they bought them. You know, there's just no way that it's not the case. And what or who intend to use them once they're high. Um, maybe, but but who just wanted, you know, people who take drugs who just wanted a gun. They wanted to buy mm. a gun. You know, they just, for whatever reason. Uh, and so Hunter Biden did this. Um, and now these... It, so he's being he's facing three charges. There are two counts of making false statements in order to buy the gun, and one charge of possessing a gun while he was taking drugs. So they're they're obviously all um, connected. Now, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, John. Here, here's the bang that I get off all of this. Right when you pull back the lens at all, and you you just look at Joe Biden, and you know, as you say, the tragic story of his family. And you know, I know I dismiss the idea of Gopshite saying they've had hard lives. Um, there is so much trauma here, but doesn't it seem obvious to you, Marion, that the other side of the aisle sees his family as his weakness because oh, he absolutely. he literally would do anything for his family. There is this, you know, well understood and uh, talked about rule that he has that if anyone from his family calls, he will take the call regardless of what. what is going yeah. on. Yeah. So there's a there's a petty vindictiveness to all of it in that. Oh, well, if you want to make life difficult for Donald Trump, well, we'll make life difficult for you. Yeah. And there's also a petty vindictiveness to knowing that this guy will get bogged down in his family uh, very yeah. easily because he, if we if we questioned him on what he might do for his family, the answers would boggle the mind. 
Yeah. And, you know, the, th- the thing is, they can't really, God knows they've been trying. If there are three different committee inquiries going on, subcommittees, into the various aspects of the Biden crime family. James Comer, who is heading up the main one, they have tried and tried and tried. They cannot deliver any evidence to suggest that Joe Biden was involved in any kind of corruption. And they have turned over every rock on the planet practically to try and find it. But what they have got is they've got Hunter Biden, who is the weakest link, who is Joe Biden's Achilles heel, and who Joe Biden if he isn't, he, you know, there's no evidence he's guilty of any kind of criminal activity or corruption, but there is evidence that he really behaved with a colossal stupidity, naivety. And I think, you know, I think he he kind of deserves what's he, what he gets on not in some way trying to rein in. Now, I know his other son had just died. I know all that. But he was Obama's point man on Ukraine, on dealing with corruption in Ukraine, on stamping it out. And his son gets a job on the board of the most corrupt energy company in Ukraine, even though he knows nothing. He probably doesn't know how to turn on a gas cooker. You know, and, and mm. Biden should have just, there must have been a way for him because he's been, you know, giving him handouts all his life to say, no, no, get off that board. You're not taking this one, not this job. I, I don't know, Marion. Like, we do a parenting podcast on Irishman Abroad yeah, well, as well, you, if you, you don't know. You and Honey, you're ruining your kid. I am not the one with the, with the answers. But yeah. what, you, what you do see, and what I think everyone listening to this who knows people with kids is, that there are those parents that simply cannot say no to their kids. And that that is a pattern that yeah. really starts early on and often can be connected to trauma, that yeah. I wouldn't have any trauma on this poor soul. Yeah. And what it results in is an out-of-control teen yeah. and grown-up. And more trauma. And now the, the the worst case scenario has come to pass. And one of the things, uh, I um, spoke with somebody who's quite close to the Bidens, as in she has worked with them for a very long time, like in in successive iterations, you know, the Senate as vice president, etc., as a kind of an advisor. And Biden has a very, very loyal, tight circle around him. And one of the big concerns I understood from our conversation is Joe Biden is terrified that all of this pressure is going to cause Hunter Biden to fall off the wagon, that he is terrified that he's going to start using drugs again and that this time it might kill him. And I th- and I think that Biden also, it seems, and again, this wasn't said directly, but feels partly responsible for mm. the scrutiny on Hunter Biden, because if he wasn't president and if the Republicans weren't trying to get him, nobody would give a damn how many guns Hunter Biden bought, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But, so, it, but, it, but again, that's that's very similar to you know some of these stories that we get in that the parent tends to blame themselves for yeah. and see no culpability on the part of the problem child. Now, one conversation that I listened to this week, Marion, before we push on to that impeachment investigation, was around the actual messaging of Joe Biden is too old to be president mm-hmm. and how you know the battleground of Trump versus Biden will come down to, in terms of winning hearts and minds or cutting through all of the the froth that's about to hit the new cycle will be depicting Donald Trump as crazy uh, versus depicting Joe Biden as geriatric and incapable of uh, forming a sentence. Yeah. Uh, they said that the key might be 
actually showing that Donald Trump is not that much younger, uh, but that there just isn't as many examples of him being doddery. Uh, would you go along with that? That if you're going to have a campaign where they're saying your candidate is too old, you need to have some mud to sling about their candidate being too old. Yep. And you know, the thing is, it is actually, I have covered so many events with both men. You know what I mean? Like where where I've been at Trump rallies, I've been at smaller Trump events, I've been at the same with Biden, less so, where, you know, he tends to do smaller events, he doesn't do rallies. Um, And, you know, in the last, let's say in the last year alone, I've covered easily 20 events that both men have been at. Um, The comparison and we've marveled at before in a kind of an mm. awe at how, where does Donald Trump get his energy? Is he just fueled by that bile and that desire for revenge and retribution? Does he fill <laughs> himself up with the equivalent of a gallon of gas every morning and just go, I'm going to get him and him and her and her and keep it going? But his energy levels are phenomenal for a man of 77. And Joe Biden. For a man of 77 uh, surviving on takeaway. Yes. <laughs> takeaway um, food. Joe Biden's are not. And Joe Biden can get up on his bike as many times as he wants and eat as healthily as he wants. But he seems exhausted. Mm. Well, he did a round the world trip this week, didn't he? Five days. And, you know, there was that moment where his press secretary, who is very, very competent, um, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she basically cut him off in mid-answer on a question about China after he said, I'm, I'm ready for bed. And so it looks, it seems almost worse than his age. It seems like he's being handled. It seems like his own Mm. people are afraid he's going to say or do something really stupid that's going to give the game away, that's going to let the cat out of the bag, that's going to be going, oh my God, he really is senile. You know, and... there's yeah. a thing called load management, right? And yeah. this is a sports thing. And they talk about it in America a lot, in American sports, about resting. And in fact, the NBA are bringing in rules this year against resting players because oh. it's denying the fans <laughs> the uh, right to see, you, you know, LeBron James in their city. Because yeah. if you go to, uh, I don't know, New Orleans and the team's going to yeah. win, you rest LeBron James and give him a night off. Is it not the responsibility of those handlers, as you say, the team, to stop overworking the man. Why was there a need to do this round-the-world trip in five days? Was that part of proving the point of look at how look at how energetic he is? Uh, surely yeah. you, you need to be biding, no pun intended, tended, biding your time with Joe Biden and going. Let's 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 ease back the workload until we really need him on the campaign trail. But, you know, he is the president, and it, you know, people, the American voters, the people who elect him. I think have a right to see him, to hear from him, to know what he's doing. They have a right to be reassured that he is healthy, that he mm, is confident mentally and physically. And, you know, I mean... Well, here's, just, here's my follow-up yeah. then, Marion. Yeah. Is a president in 2023 doing more than a president in 1988? There's a lot more exposure. There's exactly. a, in 1988, you had your three TV channels. And if Ronald Reagan, I think, who was, was he president then? Yeah, or he was. I can hand over to H.W. Bush. Yeah. Uh, but if he wanted to get the public attention, and let's not forget, he had Alzheimer's in the last two to three years. Exactly. Yeah. He actually had Alzheimer's. It wasn't just that he was tired or that he wasn't as sharp as he used to be. Uh, but if he wanted to get America's attention, he could go on one of the three networks, you know, 
NBC, CBS, whatever, ABC, and he could make a presidential speech and everybody would go, oh, isn't that great? You know, there wasn't the constant scrutiny. There weren't people with cell phones every moment with cameras on their cell phones. There wasn't. And, you know, it. but as well, presidents, and this is interesting because I do remember a pretty senior Obama guy saying this to me back around 2010. Um, and he said that Obama worked insanely hard. And he said most presidents they don't work that hard. They get a good team and they basically go in, they'll go in the morning, okay, I want the border fixed, you. Okay, I want inflation <laughs> brought down, you. You know, so they do the broad brush stuff and, and then it's up to the teams and the hundreds and hundreds of people, the cascading teams underneath them to get it done. And I think Biden has achieved an enormous amount because he didn't know what he wanted to achieve when he became president. So he knew there were things he wanted to get done and he had Nancy Pelosi on side and he had Congress and he he achieved a huge amount, but he doesn't. You you don't have to do that much as president. And um, now George W. Bush, everyone knew that he basically played Space Invaders, and he was in bed by nine o'clock every night. You know, he was a lazy president, and it was well known. Donald Trump spent all day. Everyone knows as president shouting at Fox News. You know, he yeah. watched TV yeah. all day. So in a way. There does seem to be a bit of unfairness that people want to know for a fact that Joe Biden is working all the time when when these other guys kind of got a pass, you know. But Joe Biden has, if you look at the just the met, if you look at what he has done in terms of legislation alone, in it's terms bananas. of appointments, in terms of things he has achieved. But you know, the weird thing is child poverty in America soared this year. It's gone right back up again to where it was before the pandemic, uh, because the, the 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 child credit bill was axed, you know, which was really really effective, and the Republicans had it shut down with help from Joe Manchin. It has to be said as well, um, and and so that that money stopped coming in. And if you are a really struggling family and you've got three or four kids, um, that extra 12 grand a year, 13, 14 grand a year you were getting was going to make a huge difference. That was money that wasn't taxed, that was going straight into your bank account every month to cover the costs associated with your children. And it cut child poverty in half within a couple of months. So, you know, it, but now it's gone back up again. Americans are feeling like mortgage rates are at 7%. You know, Americans can't get a mortgage or they can't afford a mortgage. Rents have soared. So people are not feeling the benefits of Bidenomics. And I'm hearing that over and over, over and over. And, over again. and then they're looking at this Dodriel fellow on the telly and they're going, yeah. what the fuck is going yeah. on here? You know, yeah. they really are. And they're looking at their choice as being, a, you know, a lunatic and some daughtery incompetent. And that's mm. what they're seeing. And, you know, never mind the record. And really, and we, you know, Gerald, I remember we discussed this um, back in, was it, God, was it earlier this year after the midterms where we were saying he should just bow out now? He should say, okay, you know what? We've achieved what we wanted. We had the best midterm results since John F. Kennedy. And now I'm going to keep my promise and I'm going to hand over to a younger generation because he had said he would be the bridge to a younger generation. Um, now, he could, he has until about October 24th, I think. Uh, to before his name goes on all the ballots. Uh, in theory, he could um, say at any point up until then, you know what, I'm I'm not going to run. Uh, I've changed my mind. But I would be flabbergasted 
if he did that. I would be. Yeah, but the one thing is, we're talking in Congress at the moment, and you know, people that I'm talking to are all going, "Oh my, you know, it's possible." Even Nancy Pelosi the other day, when she was in an interview, she was asked about, "Is it possible he could still drop out?" And she almost seemed to fuel this by her kind of non-response response. You know, um, and it, it just seems every dinner party in Washington and New York, they're all talking about, do you think it's possible? Do you think he might? Do you think he might? Um, you know, and it's it's all of the, it's the elites, as Donald Trump would say. It's all of the people who have worked in Washington in various capacities, um, all of the Democrats who are terrified they're going to be beaten by Donald Trump. And if they, if Donald Trump becomes the next president, you know, we haven't spoken about the Claremont Institute and the report they've done, which would dismantle the federal government in six months. And that is going to be Joe, ba- or I beg your pardon, that'll be Donald Trump's blueprint for government in between retribution um and uh, you know so it's there's so much at stake and some people might say all the more reason that biden should have shuffled off the stage and then other people are saying yeah but you know who is going to be better and should we be taking a risk on a new candidate better the devil you know i just don't know i don't know how any of this is going to play out at the moment biden and trump are neck and neck now i think that will change um i think that you know, the, the trial, the Georgia trial is starting of, of um, Ken Chesborough and Sidney Powell, uh, those legal luminaries. It's starting on the 23rd of October. The judge uh, involved, Scott McAfee, has uh, announced today that um, he's not going to have all 19 of them going to trial in, in October. He said it would just be unmanageable, and he's right. And I think, in a way, he has done a big favour for Fannie Willis and also for the Democrats, because they Democrats are going to see the case, not just Democrats, but voters, voters all over America. This is going to be on TV. It's going to be live, live stream. This is going to be the trial of, you know, it's going to be so closely watched, even without Trump in the dock. And basically, Fannie Wallace and her prosecutors will be able to lay out the entire case against Trump because that's what a RICO case does. It doesn't just deal with the bits that concern the defendants who are being tried. It's the whole picture. But there'll be no Donald Trump there, no Donald Trump lawyer there to say, no, 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 that's not what happened. That's not what happened. And, you know, so basically, even though people are saying, oh, well, Trump's going to get a complete preview of the case against him, he knows what the case against him is. It's not that complicated. He strong-armed Brad Raffensperger. You know, there were all these other mini scams going on about fake electors and whatever, and he was all over all of it. We know what the case is. I don't think he's going to learn anything he doesn't know. Um, Mm. and, And so I think that... This case, which will run for three to four months, taking us right up probably into January uh, before there's a verdict and the start of the primaries. And I think that if Americans who are watching this trial get an idea or even just parts of it, get an idea of the level of crookery, the the degree to which they tried to subvert the Constitution and overthrow the election, the degree to which ordinary people had their lives destroyed because they got caught in the the crossfire. Um, And I, you know, I think that that is going to get people thinking, Jesus, really, do we want this? Do Do we want this? Do you? Really, are attention levels high enough? Because the January 6th inquiry, Marion, was the most Hollywood version of that. It was Mm -hmm. the most perfectly... Dis, um, directed and yeah. um, stage managed and choreographed to have the biggest possible impact for yeah. people to get and this is what happened. 
it definitely had a trickle down effect. It definitely okay. had every okay. every um, election analyst I spoke to for twenty twenty two the midterms. They said abortion and January sixth were the two things that that really um, you know because you never and just to go back to what happened last year in November. Uh, Democrats kept control of the House, even though inflation was raging. It was at 9%. The price of petrol was through the roof across the country. And um, people were furious with Biden and with everything. But they still, he still had the best midterm results since John F. Kennedy. In, at the peak yeah. of the Kennedy love mm. affair, and the boom, and America was go, you know, was the mm. greatest country on earth. So they looked at Biden, and they looked at this other stuff, and they kind of thought, Jesus, you know, we. And the the thing is, like the Trump supporters are never going to vote for Biden. They're going to vote for Trump, yeah. no matter what. You know, it could come out in Georgia that Trump ate newborn babies for breakfast. You know, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't care. They'll still vote for him. Um, so yeah. it, it's it, but the, it's the it's the moderates. It's the the um, the Republicans who don't really recognize the Republican Party anymore. It's the independents, and and they're the ones who are not going to go with Trump. I think they're the ones who are just going to feel too darn squeamish about all of this. So a lot of people, I can't tell, John, to be quite honest. You talk to some Democrats, and like like Jim Messina, who's a terrific guy. He used to work for the Obama administration, and he's done all these charts and polls and everything. And he keeps saying, "Stop worrying." Stop bedwetting to the Democrats. You know, we're 14 months away, which ever all just relax and get a grip. Um, and look look at all these signs that are good signs. But the fact is that no president at this point in their presidency who has a 39% approval rating has ever won a second term. And that's just the fact. Yeah. So I don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody can tell what's going to happen next. And now Robert F. Kennedy is muttering about running as, and I think we we touched on the possibility yep. of this, um, not just as challenging Biden within the Democratic primary, but running as a third party candidate. Well, Mikey put that to me at breakfast. Yeah. I know that I always bring it's Mikey in here, but he did. He did suggest that you know a three-party system is possible uh, very, very soon. Certainly in his lifetime, and you, you know, that yeah. did make sense to me when uh, when I kind of said it out loud. Yeah, that you could. Uh, there's definitely room now for a splinter group. With, well, uh, the Republican Party has splintered, and yeah. I think that, and we 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 get on to it. But Mitt Romney, who was the yeah? Let's do it now. Mitt, Mitt Romney's got a book out. Yeah, he's got a new book out. But Mitt Romney was the sort of carbon cutout Republican. He was okay. the Republican that ticked every box. He was a decent man. He was a fiscal conservative. He was moral. He was but called he Mitt. Yeah, yeah, indeed. He didn't hector, you know, he didn't hector people about their personal lives, but he had his own very clear moral viewpoint. Uh, but he wasn't getting into bedrooms. He wasn't going on about abortion. You know, he wasn't doing any of that stuff. He wasn't haranguing gay people and trans people. Uh, and he, you know, he was, and he, he was a successful governor, a Republican governor in a Democrat state in Massachusetts. He was minted and he had a private equity company bain whatever it was that made him he was worth 350 million dollars so he was a stinking rich decent republican he was good looking he was well spoken he was respectful he was respected you know and that was the republican party kind of pin up 
And now Mitt Romney is not seeking another term. And fair enough, he's 76. I think he's thinking, you know, everybody's talking about everybody being too old. Uh, he's a very, very youthful 76, I have to say. And any time I've come across him, he seems much more like a man in his late 50s. Um, but he he uh, he was the only one who who voted to impeach by uh, Trump in, in the first impeachment trial. There were seven um, in the Senate who voted in the second one. But he stood up alone and said, you know, after the Zelensky strong arming, this is wrong. And, you know, so he's always been a conservative. When he ran against Obama, he he was so conservative in in you know in terms of entitlements all that kind of thing, uh, and he's just basically leaving the Senate and he's made a lot of points and one of the things that's come out in his book and it's so staggering to me is that he basically feels alone. He and Lisa Murkowski, who is the Alaska senator and um, Republican, they have always been very close, but they they are completely isolated within the Republican Senate and to the point where it's now been revealed and it will you know, come out in this book that before January 6th, he sent a message to Mitch McConnell saying, we're hearing all this intelligence. We're hearing that you know, January 6th, Trump people are, they might, they're, they're plant, there's chatter that they might burn down your house, that they're going to come to the Senate, they're going to disrupt this, they're going to cause chaos, they're going to cause damage, lives can be lost, what you need to do something. Hmm. Mitch McConnell, his colleague in the Senate for years, who has known him for 30, 40 years, didn't even respond. He didn't, didn't reply. Respond. Didn't even reply. And so, well, well, when we've seen Mitch McConnell the other week freezing at the podium, is it possible that he's just that's just Mitch McConnell being Mitch McConnell? And we're talking about old people here not responding. No, because like, is it possible? It's the most ruthless person mm. in the Senate, mm. arguably still, even despite his infirmity, um, he is one of the most ruthless and most manipulative people who has ever been in the Senate. And a lot of people kind of blame him for breaking the Senate because, you know, the, the things he did, like refusing to allow Obama to appoint a Supreme, a Supreme Court judge a year before the election, almost, you know, yeah. and then shunting, you know, three weeks before the election when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, like shunting in a Trump appointee and laughing about it, you know, laughing about it. Um, the man had no integrity. He didn't care. He wanted power. He wanted what he wanted and he would get it. And it just didn't suit his purposes for whatever reason to bother doing anything about that. But the dereliction of duty, he was the the, the head of the Senate at the time. He was the majority leader in the Senate. And he, you know, somebody in his own party, this isn't even a Democrat, somebody in his own party is pleading with him to take some action to, you know, as as leader and warning him about this and warning him even his house is at risk. And he just goes, you know, decides he's not going to touch it. Mm. Partly because of, I suspect, because he was afraid of Trump, partly because he knew he was going to be challenged by Rick Scott, the, the lunatic from Pennsylvania who did challenge him and who failed to topple him as leader. And he just didn't, you know, he had his eye on that particular ball and, and was prepared to let the rest of it go to hell. And I just think that it's no wonder Romney is leaving because the, the Republican Party and the number of Republicans who said this to me, Matt Dowd, Steve Schmidt, all these guys who you run into at various things and chat with, and they all say, and, you know, th- th- there was a guy called Mark McKinnon from Austin who I used to know quite well from the Bush era, and he said the Republican Party has not been the Republican Party in, and he was a Republican, in he was a Bush advisor, in, in he said probably 20 years he said it's it's just 
it's well, it's unrecognizable. So there will be a third party. Well, let me, let me stop you there, Marion, because we've we've run out of time on the free episode uh, of Irishman in America. You can come over to patreon.com and hear more about this Mitt Romney book. If you're looking to get it, it's called Romney, a Reckoning by McKay Coppins. Uh, he has a particular distaste for J.D. Vance. I'd love to get Marion's oh, yeah. take on that. <laughs> also, Drew Barrymore appears to be crossing yeah. the picket lines. And Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner's divorce has really revealed our distrust for spin in the media. We're going to talk a little bit about all of that and more over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.